Well, hello, this is Gregor Brown. Today I'm joined by Simon Richardson, editor of Cycling Weekly magazine in London. We are two weeks away from the Tour de France uh, starting in Dusseldorf on July 1st. Uh, and uh, it looks to be an another good Tour de France coming up on, on tap. We get uh, Richie Porte, who's firing, uh, who just lost the criterium du Dauphiné by 10 seconds against Jakob Vogelsang. I think there's a few guys that would prefer to see me uh, lose the race and, uh, and they lose their podium as well. So it was me against everyone there for a little bit. You know, I think uh, Valverde and Froome and, uh, you know, they obviously didn't want to see me win the race and uh, I guess that's racing, but uh, you don't forget that for July. Simon, what do you make of this Froome and Richie Port controversy? Apparently, uh, there's a controversy. <laughs> yes, there is, or a controversy, as we say. Apparently, uh, Richie Port says that you know he's he's not going to forget this this incident that happened come July. Didn't think there was much of an incident. It's bike race, um, and they took they. Oh, my phone's ringing. Go ahead. Hang on. Let me hang up on that one. Sorry about that to all your listeners. <laughs> um. Simon is multitasking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, uh, Richie Porte yeah. uh, says, you know, that's racing, but you don't forget these things come July. And he, I think he was yeah. talking about Valverde and Chris Froome. You know, Froome, Froome uh, stuck on Richie Porte's wheel and, as, as the others were riding away. And uh, doing so, Froome slipped from, I think, second overall to fourth overall. Well, I, didn't, I mean, didn't Froome slip back? Because then, then when he did attack Porte, he couldn't sustain his effort all the way up the climb. Dra dragged a load of riders up. He couldn't sustain it. Porte caught him and then... And then dropped away. Yeah, um, was that what? He, that's what happened, I think. Yeah, I can't, can't quite remember. But <laughs> then, I mean, uh, they're, they're, those two guys are meant to be best friends. So um, it'd be interesting to see what that's done to their friendship. Yeah, I mean, they go training together down in Monaco. Yeah, it'd be a shame if they fell out over that. Is it, I don't think there was anything untoward going on there. It's all, all fairs in sort of love and bike racing. Um, I think you know, it was a great stage. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. So. Um, obviously, in the heat at the moment, Richie Port might have been a little bit annoyed with the way everyone ganged up on him, but. He's in the leader's yellow jersey. If, if, if you want to be in that position, you're going to have to accept everyone gangs up on you. It happens all the time. So you've you got to live with that. You've got a massive target on your back. So um, deal with it, basically. <laughs> yeah, and, and Chris Froome said something similar. Now, Richie Port's 32 years old. He's in a second year racing with BMC. He, of course, worked for Bradley Wiggins and, and, uh, and Chris Froome and Team Sky mm. for, for several years. I mean, he, has he matured enough where he's, he's going to go for the Tour de France and and, and and fight for the title. Um, I think he's mature enough, um, but I mean we've been discussing this in uh, in the cycling weekly office, and you know I, I just don't see Richie Port as a Grand Tour winner. Um, mm. He is probably one of the best week long stage racers there is, uh, and there's been for you know quite a number of years actually. But he just can't sustain it in a Grand Tour. Um, he gets ill, he's in the wrong position, he crashes, etc. etc. Now all of those things, yep. That very good reasons for not winning a bike race but um, that go back through any race and the winners fall off the winners have bad days the winners get ill but they still win the bike race um, it's, mm. it's whether or not your body holds up over three weeks and you can battle through bad days you can battle through a bit of a bug and still win um, and Richie can't seem to do that he just he seems to come up short or, or sort of his body falters or his, you know, his positioning isn't quite right, so he gets he gets tangled up in a crash. So he just doesn't seem to have the, either the physical strength um, in terms of battling illnesses or the 
sort of the the, the positioning now to to get through three weeks of racing because you, you've got to be on it every day and you've got to battle battle through the bad days and it just seems to come up short when when you're talking about racing over three weeks did we do we get a sample of that in the last day in the dauphiné yeah potentially although he, yeah potentially um although he wasn't that bad on that day you know battled back you know everyone was riding against him i thought i think probably the last day was down to him having a slightly uh, or his team not being as strong as you'd like it to be in that position i think a stronger team would have held that together and he'd have won but he was isolated and um yeah, lost his teammates. So, I think it was probably more t- down to that than him. So that would be interesting to see how strong BMC's team is come come July first. Um, now, Rich, Richie Port uh, raced a fifth last year in the Tour de France. Of course, he had the the badly timed puncture on the first road stage. Uh, yeah, and that, and that yeah. was his and best. Because he, he's got those results so that suggest he, he's he's a Grand Tour contender, doesn't he? Um, you know, years back when when he rode the um, Giro with Bjorn Rees, you know, he's always been that, you know, he's probably the best rider not to have won a Grand Tour. Um, you know, it's like, it's like all those guys in golf, who absolutely brilliant players go through their whole careers, the Colin Montgomery's of this world, but they never win a major. You've got to have, you've got to have it all to win a Grand Tour. And I just wonder if, if Richie Port is sort of lacking 1%. Having said that, you know, if, if his rivals falter, I mean, he's definitely going in as a favourite. I don't want to be too down on him because he's had a phenomenal year, and it would be great to see another Aussie win at the Tour de France. You know, I'd be, um, I'd be happy to see him win, um, and he's certainly going in as the pre-race favourite. But um, I, I wouldn't be putting all my money on him. Simon, you like to swing the irons. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Along with Daniel Freeby of another famous cycling podcast. Obviously, nowhere near as good as this podcast. But, um, <laughs> he, Daniel, Daniel Freeby, who does the cycling podcast, he's uh, he's a very good golfer. Although I've beaten him twice, he's beaten me once. Yeah, Chris Froome uh, named. Uh, I'm not sure if he's trying to def- deflect the attention, but he named Richie Port as uh, you know, the man to beat come July. Let's just hear what Chris Froome has to say. Like I said, I was here to try and race for the win, uh, not to defend second place. If I was trying to defend second place, I would have been a lot more conservative and just wait for the last climb and follow Jakob and Aru. But uh, that wasn't the plan today. I wanted to try and race for the win, and I think that's that's what we tried to do as a team. It didn't pay off, but I'm happy happy with that anyway. I think I came here looking for a, a hard week of racing. I only had 19 days uh, race start before the Dauphiné, so I'm really light on racing. I came here looking for a hard week of racing and that's exactly what I got. So hopefully this will move me on now as well in terms of preparations for July. All right, that's Chris Froome. He said he only had 19 days of racing before the Dauphiné, so he was really light on racing and, and he hopes that the Dauphiné will move him along towards his, his, uh, his preparation in, in July. Uh, we see Froome out training uh, around Sestriere, uh, climbing up the Colle della Finestre the other day. He's He's, uh, he's doing all, all the things he needs to do to prepare for July. He's done it before. Three, three Tour de France titles. He's going for a fourth title this year. Uh, d- does he have it in him to do it again, Simon? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I, th- I think the most interesting thing at the Dauphiné was how bad Chris Froome looked on his TT bike. Yeah? I thought that, I thought that was really telling. He was all over the bike, struggling on it. Um, now I wasn't it wasn't as bad as uh, Alberto Contador. No, true. I think Contador is way past. There's no more Grand Tour wins for for Contador. I'm afraid he's 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 way past his best. Um, but yeah, Froome. That's one thing you. That's one thing you and Oleg Tinkov have in common, huh? Yeah. 
I wouldn't call. I, I wouldn't go into the name calling that Oleg Tinkoff does. But you know, there, there's younger, better, hungrier people than Alberto Contador around. So Froome's time trialing was a was a. I was, was really surprised. I was really surprised how bad he looked. Now I'm guessing with only something like 36 uh, kilometers of time trialing in this year's Tour de France, I'm guessing he hasn't spent that long on his TT bike in training this year. Yeah. Although he, he did Instagram a picture of him in, on Mount Tidy on his TT bike. Yeah. Um, so he obviously has been doing some work on it, but he just looks so uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's because he's just lacking a bit of fitness or because, you know, he just hasn't spent enough time and is getting used to his TT position. They're quite extreme positions, so they, they do have to, you know, when 2012, for example, when there were two long time trials in the tour and the Olympic time trial straight after, Froome did a lot of work on his TT bike. Um, you know, they, I, I, I saw those guys out in Mallorca earlier in, that, earlier in the year. And they'd go out for a three-hour road ride, and then they'd come back and go out for two hours on their TT bike. Um, you know, and that was in January. So they'd do a lot of work on their TT bikes when they have a lot of TT kilometres in the Tour. But there aren't this year, so he probably hasn't spent that long on it. Having said that, yeah. you know, he, him lo- losing time to Alberto Contador in a time trial is, is shocking. So he is obviously not where he's been in previous years. Is he bluffing? You know, did, was, he, was he going out training in yeah. the morning before those stages? With the, Dauphine, I remember... Um, back in 2011, Wiggins did a five-hour ride before the Dauphiné prologue because he was told by his then-coach Shane Sutton that he, at the end of the Tour de France, he'd be racing a time trial on tired legs, so he'd better get used to it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, he did five hours and then before doing a, a something like a 6K prologue. So um, maybe Froome was doing a bit of the same. You know, He doesn't need to win the Dauphiné again. That's not what his season's about. So maybe he was sacrificing that and they were doing some work that, that we didn't know about. But, yeah, because he um, looks sharp in other areas. You know, he's, he's going quickly on the downhill. Uh, yeah, great descending. And, and that's, that's going to be important at this year's tour because there's only three proper summit finishes and there's quite a few finishes where they come off the last mountain and, and descend down to the finish line. So maybe that's what he's been working on. Yeah, and with uh, Dusseldorf and Marseille, I think there's around 38 time trial kilometers. So yeah, it's, not it's definitely not the 100, 100 plus time trial kilometers we had in 2012 with uh, Wiggins' mm. win. Yeah, but uh, Giuseppe Martinelli, the team manager of Astana, uh, who, who will be guiding along Fabio Aru, the, the Vuelta Espana winner and uh, second overall in the Giro, uh, Giro d'Italia. He said that uh, what, uh, what Froome showed in the Dauphiné is not the same Froome from, from last year or two years ago, that it's, uh, that it's been the case over the last year. However, he's still the man to beat. It'll be it'll be Froome because he, he has a strong team and he knows how to win the tour. Uh, and I asked Martinelli if if it's not Port, like Froome is saying, if Port's not the man to beat. And Martinelli said, no. If someone wins three tours, he's able to win a fourth. It's difficult to err. For sure, he has adversaries uh, that are stronger, more competitive. Uh, but he's and he's going to need that something extra that he's that he's had compared to the other years. So Simon, is is it is it that descending? Is it what we saw last year, attacking and crosswinds? Is that the something extra? Uh, you know, Chris Froome will have to have to pull out of his toolbox to win a fourth title. Yeah, I'm not sure really. Um, <clears throat> I'm not, you know, that those sort of things. I'm not sure they crosswinds, especially. I'm not sure they'll help you win the tour. They'll stop you from losing it by um, you know avoiding those um, silly crashes on those tricky opening stages, as you know, as Port failed to do last year. Um, uh, the descending, uh, yeah, it can make a difference, but it's not sort of 
minutes difference. It's thirty seconds here and there. Yeah. Um, I just I just wonder with Froome if he's coming into this tour not on his best form but looking to build it through the race because he want you know he still wants to win the tour of the Vuelta double doesn't he in the same yeah, he year does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so typically he'd come into the tour top form um, and you know hold on to that going to the Vuelta but by the fu- final week of the Vuelta he'd, he'd be tailing off and that's when he'd um, he'd lose out to Contador Quintana um, so I'm just wondering if, if this year um, you know the two big Alpine stages I think 16 and 17 so um, although there are some tricky stages through that first week, especially Planche de Belfi, um, I just wonder if he's looking to build his form through the tour because he's you know now he's won it three times. He's got an immensely strong team. I think he'd have the confidence to do that. So not come in at hundred percent, but build through yeah. the race and get better and better, and you know make his moves towards the end of the race. Uh, yeah, because that, that would be a very different tactic for Froome and Sky, but it'd be quite exciting. And he certainly must be bitter about, uh, still bitter about the the Volta Spagna last year and losing that so so close to Nairo Quintana, who's who's coming off the Giro d'Italia, and yeah. he looked Nairo looks pretty beat up from from the Giro, so it'll be interesting to see how how Nairo comes out off of this uh, month long break before before the Tour de France. You're listening to Cycling Journals on the Road. Mark Cavendish, he's he's been out with. Uh, with uh, glandular fever or uh, fatigue-inducing mononucleosis, <laughs> what's that? Yeah. The Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah, what uh, what's going on? I mean, he's he's back racing now in the in the Tour of Slovenia. I think he, he recorded a tenth place. Uh, Sam Bennett had a nice win there. What's going on with Mark? Is he going to be able to make the Tour de France? It's going to be touch and go. Really tough. I mean, that <clears throat> glandular fever is something that really only sort of rest can um, can cure, really. And um, you know, look, look at what it did to Mick Rogers. It wiped him out for yeah. about a year and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he did come back to full strength, but you know, he lost it well over a season to that. It, it's such a difficult thing to manage um, when you're an athlete. Um, it's, it's a really, really unfair thing to have, actually, because it's so frustrating. It's not like something. It's not like a broken leg that you know in six weeks it'll be fixed. You do this physio, and you know, you'll you'll be back to more or less where you were. Um, it it can just go on and on and on, and that that's the worst thing for a for a bike racer because they any time you need to at some point you need to push yourself to see if you're cured or see if you're over the virus. Um, but if you're not, the moment you push yourself, you set yourself back a week or two. Um, it's really just a horrible thing to go through. So do do quite feel for Mark actually. That's it's a pretty pretty nasty thing to have. I th- I think. You know, if, Diment- if if Cavendish and Steve Cummings don't go to the Tour de France, what on earth are Dimension Data going to do? They, they will be absolutely yeah. desperate to have their two Brits on the start line, even if they're not at full strength. I think they'll take a sort of a 60% Mark Cavendish and see how he goes rather than turn up without him because he is their star. Uh, but it's, it's a tricky first, even if he does make it, it's a really difficult first opening week for someone who's not either not that well or, you know, come in with... Uh, not much racing in their legs as, as he will do um, there's about in that opening week there's about four stages over 200 kilometers there's a there's you know they go straight into the Vosges mountains on about stage four or five uh, Planche de Belfi is stage five it's a really difficult opening first week uh, having said that there are you know there are nine possible sprint stages this year so um, it's definitely worth Mark going um, it just depends, you know, how, how his rivals are. They're certainly well ahead of him at the moment, 
but um, if he is, if he's well, if he's over that virus, and again, he could ride himself into form. There, yeah. there are plenty of opportunities for him, but it's, well, it's just whether or not he's recovered. Ahead of Slovenia, he, he said he just wants to see where he's at. Uh, he said looking ahead of the tour currently has no sense. He said he doesn't yeah. know if he'll be able to make it to the start line on July 1st yeah. in, in Dusseldorf. And yeah. He said the last I mean, few months weren't, weren't easy. It was hard to get out, out of bed every day not knowing uh, when you'll get well. He said, yeah. uh, and, and as you were saying, some people take months, for, and for some it's 10 years. He said you just don't know, and it's pretty tough. And I think yeah. what you're saying, Simon, is is the pressure in Dimension Data too. It's 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 quite it's quite big, and uh, that there's a lot of weight on Mark Cavendish's shoulder to to carry the team's banner. And as you mentioned, also yeah. with, with Steve Cummings uh, still coming back as well. So yeah. I think Mark has has the pressure to to try to line up, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. But you know, if he's saying that, I hadn't heard him say that. If he's saying that, yeah, um, that makes me doubt even more that he'll be there. I'd, really, I'd, um, I, I think so. If, if he's saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make the start line. I think this this close to the race, you should know whether or not you're gonna, you know, turn up basically. So I think, yeah. you know, I think Dimension Data would rather have Mark Cavendish there for a week and then let him go home um, than not have him there at all. Um, yeah. So if 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 he's not sure, that suggests he's not 100% fit and healthy. Um, I get you know this week's talks look well. Yeah, the next few days of the Tour Slovenia are going to be really telling. Um, and what is he? So, you know, uh, fingers crossed for him. What is he? What two two wins off or something like this from uh, from Merckx's all time record? It's not many. Yeah, it's not yeah. many. And as you know, he kind of announced on Twitter the other day. He, we know he'll be going to Tokyo twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, do, do, <laughs> for the match for the do you talk track riding on your podcast, or have you got a separate podcast? Well, for we, the track, no, uh, we, track well we have the BMX track uh, podcast. It's, it's just coming <laughs> online now. Fantastic! I look we'll be sure to, to we'll be sure, sure um, to pull you in. Yeah, because you kind of wondered where you know if for, for a sprinter like Cavendish, you wonder where how long his career will go on. You know, there's younger, faster, hungrier riders coming through. Um, you don't get any faster as you get older. So, so how long? How many more tours de France did he have to get that record from Merckx? But now, now um, with the Madison in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, sort of um, giving him a chance of, of finally getting that gold medal, you know, he, he's going to continue on for a few more years. So um, he's, he's got a few more tours in his legs, and he's still got. Even if he doesn't make it this year, which would be a real shame, he's got a chance to to get that tally in the next few years. Yeah, he won it uh, back in the day with Rob Hells, and is he still the current champion with uh, Bradley Wiggins? Uh, no, they would have. Lo- the World Track Championships took place in Hong Kong a few weeks ago, so they okay. lost that title. I can't remember who won it, but ah. yeah, he won it. In, he, he won. I should know. He won it in two thousand and five. Was it five with Rob Hales as a nineteen-year-old, and then um, he won it again in two thousand eight with Bradley Wiggins at Manchester. Still one of the best bike races I, I've ever witnessed, and then he won it again. 2016 in, yeah, right. in London so three times Madison world record winner of the Ghent Six um, last winter as well with Bradley Wiggins um, you know a, a really yeah, he, he's a very good Madison rider he, he's got the right sort of physical makeup to be a Madison rider um, uh, yeah so the 2020 that coming back to the 2020 Olympics is is quite literally fantastic news for him because it, it gives his Olympic it just reinvigorates his Olympic dreams that he'd perhaps pushed right to the back of his and perhaps even out of his head. Um, and it's great for cycling too because Madison's just one hell of an event. 
it's good for the Tour de France. It should keep him coming back at least through 2020 uh, to try to definitely to try to to try to uh, take over Merckx's record and become the all-time stage winner at the Tour de France. Simon, yeah. uh, qu- quick prediction: w- Will Cav race the Tour de France? Yes or no? I, I think he'll be on the start line. I don't think he'll last. I, I think he'll um, do a few stages before heading home. Oh, harsh! And then, uh, what do you think? I mean, what? So we get uh, we get Chris Froome, who could be bluffing. It could be off form. Uh, is he going to win the Tour de France? And if not, you know, who, who's your pick? I mean, there's several other riders we haven't talked about from your from your uh, Chavez to your Simon Yates to your Bardet. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I think you would, uh, like Martinez said, you, you put your money on Froome because he knows how to win the Tour de France. He mm. knows how to deal with the pressure of the yellow jersey and all, or every, or everything that goes with that. He's got the team to do it. Um, and, you know, you kind of you kind of think, does anyone else want to win this? Be- apart from Richie Port, you know, Bar- <laughs> I think, what, I think what a happened- few do. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to Bardet at the Dauphiné? Contador, yeah. you know, yeah. Contador's, you know, on, on, he's over the peak of his career. Um I, I can't, just can't imagine a day when he'd win the Tour de France again. Astana and, you know, I know Fuglesang won the Dauphiné, but I don't think he's been preparing to win the Tour de France this year. Aruz obviously right. had a injury. Um, Quintana just didn't look particularly good at the Giro. I can't see how he'd be that good at the Tour. It just It's hard to see who's, apart from Port, it's really hard to see who's going to mount a really strong challenge to Froome. So with, with his experience and the team behind him, and you know, you know, you know, whatever they're doing, they're planning it quite meticulously. Um, so, even if he's comes to the Tour de France in not hundred percent shape, he'll probably be. They'll probably be planning to end it in hundred percent shape. So, I think the smart money will, will be on Froome. So, my pick well, will be Chris Froome. There you go. That's it. Uh, two weeks to go to the big one. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Gregor. Thank you for listening to Cycling Journals on the Road.